Rogers is his name. Laughter is his name. Come on, you dope. I'm tired, bro, but watch him go insane. Patty cake, patty cake, patty cake. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects the movie from the previous week's podcast. Zach Brooks, and joined as always by Brendan Fitzpatrick. And uh, Zach, don't don't play patty cake with me. <laughs> you don't want to play patty cake with me. I don't, I don't want to play patty cake with you. Somebody with might that... be looking through the windows and seeing exactly. us playing. Yeah. Uh, Brennan, I won't you th- believe it. I can't I mean, believe it. <laughs> it. Sometimes, you know, when there's pairs of people in movies that we talk about, we like to pair mm-hmm. up. Like, who is who? I don't think there's even any discussion today, right? Like, I'm definitely Eddie, and you're definitely Roger Rabbit. I'm definitely the Roger Rabbit of this podcast, I would say. Uh, I, I'm much more the moodier tune than uh, you are. And you're smaller than me as well. Wow. Uh, once, well, I mean, you know, not not like uh, character-wise. Yeah, you're you're hairier. It's true. I have more facial hair and uh, maybe more head hair. Not sure. Um, yes. Uh, famously, once Brendan and I were walking in D.C. and a lady came up to us and asked if Brendan was my son, even though he's older than me. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite stories, which he asked if, if Brendan was my son. Oh, oh is that your son? No. No. St. Georgetown. It is not. Uh, anyways, uh, last week we had the great Latanya Starks on rave reviews for Latanya Starks. What a great episode! It was really yeah, nice right. having Latanya on. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're hoping to keep her in the mix uh, regularly yeah. as a guest. Hopefully, you enjoyed her. Uh, we had her on to discuss Serial Mom, and this yeah. week, due to a Kathleen Turner connection, we will be discussing the 1988 Robert Zemeckis film Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, is our first animated film, although it's only. You know, what, partially animated. We're, partially we're, animated. We're, you could say we are dipping our toes in animation. Ooh, the dip. Yes, we're doing the dip <laughs> into. Uh, Would you call Judge Doom a serial killer? Do, no, I don't. Is this a serial no, mom at all? No, I don't think so. A serial tune killer, maybe? No, I don't. I don't think so. I know that we had said that last week. I mean, I guess how? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he does kill. We find out he killed Eddie's brother. Spoilers mm-hmm. for Dupre Retro Rabbit, obviously. And he does kill a couple of different tunes in this, as well as uh, R.K. Maroon and Marvin Acne, right? So, yeah, maybe he is a little bit of a serial killer. We see him kill five different people or creatures throughout the course of this movie. We'll discuss, and we'll discuss all the connections between Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Serial Mom. Two movies that you might not think to connect. Uh, We're going to figure out how to do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie based on suggestions coming in from you our lovely listeners and us, your hosts. Um, we do actually have uh, connections that are uh, suggestions for next movies coming in via text message from uh, two of our listeners to me as oh, we're right. talking. So I'm, I'm managing <laughs> multiple things at once right now, but uh, they're getting them on at the uh, last minute. And uh, one of the listeners who just sent me some suggestions sent in the two most obvious suggestions off of this movie. So uh, <laughs> congratulations to unnamed listener who is texting me right now. We will, of course, we, well, Brennan already did, but we'll be even more dis, uh, spoiling Roger Rabbit. So if you've not seen it, we'll put a timestamp so you can jump ahead to those latter suggestions for next week. Uh, of course, you should pause this podcast and just go watch Robert, Roger Rabbit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm like tripling up my words just like Roger Rabbit does. But, but, yeah, 
Go watch it. It's on uh, both Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. whichever one you have access to, or you can get it from your library. You can you might have the VHS hanging around, uh, even if you're if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s. And you watch this movie a lot. So, uh, mm-hmm. and as always, submit your feedback to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter, the Movie Ladder Gmail.com, and the Movie Ladder on Letterbox, where you can see all the movies that we've watched. So, there you go. All right, Brendan. Uh, well, I'm going to put these comments in our document. Why don't you Great. tell the listeners what is the uh, best thing you watched this week? Yeah, so the best thing I watched this week is actually a movie that was recommended to us last week by uh, the great Latonya Starks, who was on the podcast. Uh, and it's a 2021 film from James Samuel called The Harder They Fall, streaming on Netflix. Ah, yes. Uh, starring... Uh, Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Regina King. Great Zazie cast Beats, for that movie. I'm so, uh, I'm so interested in cast. the cast. Uh, Delroy Lindau, Lakeith Stanfield, to just name uh, the top build. I really enjoyed this movie. This was a lot of fun. It was a really cool sort of modernized take on a Western. Um, there's a lot of really cool stylistic choices. The costumes are great. The actors were all fantastic. Um they, they're all having a lot of fun, um, you could tell, making this movie. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of the plot, but it is sort of your typical bad guy rides into town and good guy hunts down the bad guy western, mm-hmm. but with a lot of fun along the way and some really great characters. So. Yeah, I wish this movie would have come out when I was watching all those westerns uh, at the beginning of the year. I know. <laughs> um, right? But that's okay. Um but definitely yeah, I, uh, go back to it. Um, it's it's on Netflix it. right now, so it's I I really enjoyed it. I think people I think our listeners would too. So. All right, yeah. Um, I will check that out. There's a couple movies that came out on Netflix. My brother said nine. I think it's called Nine Days that just came okay. out. Um, on Netflix, he said he highly recommends that. Um, nice. So, all right. Well, for me. Okay, I could, first of all, I'm going to say the movie that was not the best movie I watched this week. And, you know, <laughs> depending on time that we have, uh, maybe we'll talk about it at the end of this podcast. That is Eternals. Uh, my bottom three Marvel picture for me, MCU picture. Well, I wasn't going to mention so, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess some people are liking it more than others, but I was highly. Some are. Some are. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how much time this podcast takes if we discuss it or not anymore. Uh, but I think the best movie I watched this week. So. <laughs> It's hard. I actually watched, a, I finished a TV season and I really mm-hmm. like that. Uh, of course, Succession is great. That's just evergreen. I don't even need to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did finish Midnight Mass and nice. I really like the whole overall story of Midnight Mass. I like where it went. I like a lot of what it did. Uh, awesome. I don't know if it's the best thing I watched this week, but I just, I have to shout it out. I think that, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's not a movie and I didn't watch the whole season this week, but I did finish the last two episodes and uh, I as soon as I finished it, I kind of just want to start the season over again. It does some really, it. really interesting things, and yeah. it lays a lot of seeds along the way that don't pay off until late into the show. Um, yeah, and and it's stuff that it I'm like, be... oh, I wish I would have picked up on that earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that exactly. there's a lot of things that if you rewatch the show, you would pick up on that you did not pick up on the first time. For sure, for sure, um, it would be really rewarding if you did that. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it was, it was definitely good. I have not watched his other two. I've not watched Hill Haunting of Hill House or Bly Manor. I don't know if either of those is worth Both of which to. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll get to those as well. Um, I didn't come into this thinking that was going to be what I was going to discuss. I thought I was going to talk about one of the movies I watched, but, uh, I will just shout out two movies. I won't really talk about them for criterion this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I watched, well, I watched, I had to catch up on Criterion, so I watched two. I watched Mother, Bong Joon-ho movie. Okay. Uh, highly recommend that. And also I watched Autumn Sonata, um, nice. which is an Ingmar Bergman movie starring Ingrid Bergman. Uh, just really intense family uh, drama and um, complicatedness going on. Really, really good. That one is just people talking for the whole movie, but it mm. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Partially because it's subtitled, yeah. but also partially because it's so intense, uh, especially the last hour, just where it goes. Yeah, um, that's how I felt about the Bergman I watched this week as well. It was really, really good. It's called Persona. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 86 minutes on uh, Criterion or also on HBO Max. Um, it was really, really solid. It's a psychological thriller, and it's basically a two-handed performance from these two actresses who are basically in a house together for 80 minutes and i would say it's got the same vibe as the movie you discussed last week whatever happened to baby jane mm-hmm. it's got like that same sort of intense psychological feeling to it as that and then actually picture, the next picture show podcast just released mm-hmm. a episode with that and uh last actually, night soho I actually just finished watching their episode or listening to their episode on Persona before we hopped on this podcast. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, it was really good. I recommend the movie and the episode. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, one other movie that I watched that was way better than I was expecting is Christine about the, it's yes. a Stephen King story about the killer car. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just so much better than any business being and really mm-hmm. good performances, great characters, uh, good, like high school, you know, uh, hormonal. Like if you see the, right. the car, becoming more of a monster as like the teenager becoming more of a hormone uh monster like yeah. in big mouth so yeah um yeah christine was great uh yeah it's, i'm kind of surprised it doesn't have the acclaim that it yeah. yeah i'm surprised by the low acclaim so mm-hmm. um so much for only saying one thing i just listed everything i watched this week but <laughs> yeah right uh, <laughs> midnight mass if you're looking for a new netflix show to watch a creepy religion all kinds of stuff uh check yeah, out definitely, definitely, definitely has like a leftovers feel to it mm-hmm. so all right well uh Brenna, should we step through the tunnel and uh, talk about who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, all right. And that's not all, folks. That's uh, We will have to end the episode with that, so all, folks. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? So it is a, like, uh, I don't know. I guess it's like a, it's listed as a film noir uh, on one of the streaming services. It's an animated film noir based on a novel called Who Canceled Roger Rabbit? Oh really? Um, cancel culture? Yeah. Wow! I think, I think it's called canceled. Let me let me double check. That. That's amazing. Or censored. Yeah. Sorry, who censored? Oh, Roger that's. Uh, but it's I'm almost on, the same. I want the updated the, version of this movie called "Who Canceled, yeah, who canceled Roger, Roger Rabbit." Rabbit. It yeah. was probably it was probably Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this uh, movie who, might be able to be canceled actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, "Who Censored Roger Rabbit" was a film was a novel that was put out in 1981. And quickly picked up by Disney, who um, wanted to adapt it and into a into a movie. Um, Robert Zemeckis originally picked himself pitched himself as the director in 1982, but after a couple of failed movie projects around that time, they rejected him. But then mm-hmm. after the success of um, Back to the Future, they came back to him and said, "Hey, um, actually, we changed our minds. Are you still interested in creating this?" <laughs> And so this was like a big joint Disney and Warner Brothers venture. Um, I mean, one of the things you'll notice throughout the film is that a lot of the main Disney and Warner Brothers characters have equal screen time. And that was the only way that Amblin and Touchstone 
could get Disney and Warner Brothers to both agree to let them make this movie. Was I, there. I love that yeah. shared universe, like IP. You know, this is, this, as I was watching this, like I, this is not going to be the movies I suggest, but it reminded me so much of like the new Space Jam movie <laughs> where there's just bringing in all this different, Warner is bringing in all their different IP. Uh, you know, they have like the Iron Giant in there and then the Looney Tunes characters and Harry Potter and all these different, you know, all these different characters from their universes. Um, but when you see, you know, Daffy Duck and Donald Duck playing piano it's with each other in a uh, piano bar where there's like 30 other animated characters, like it's right. insane. Yeah. yeah, it's just so it's so fun. It's something that I feel like, you know, now when it if it would come out, it would just be like, wow, what a like what an ambitious crossover event, right. you know, like the it most would, ambitious crossover event. The so. most ambitious crossover event. Um, so I, I I don't know what your experience with Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, but I um saw this movie when I was eight years old. I definitely went to the theaters to see this. Oh, very and cool. I would probably have said that this was my favorite movie in 1988, if you had asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out a couple of years after my eighth birthday. So I'm, you know, 99.9% sure that I saw this in the theaters. And I grew up, like, watching this movie at least once or twice a year. I, I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I, just, I just find it so immensely watchable and rewatchable the jokes and the gags don't really get old for me Mm-mm. um i think the bob hoskins performance is just really fun mm-hmm. um and i also think that every time i watch it there's a different character that i appreciate more as far as the animation style goes like i mean last night i picked up on just how seamless and flawless the use of the cab is the cabbie like mm-hmm. it's so it's so beautifully integrated. Like this movie just blows you away with how seamless the animation and the live action are just blended together. Like so perfectly. And it's, especially when you're eight years old, it blows your tiny little mind because you've never seen anything like this before. Well, and then when you're an adult and you're watching this movie, you're like, this movie was made 30 plus years yeah. ago. And it look better than some modern CGI. Yeah, you don't see the seams really at all. I mean, the acting where a live actor is performing right next to an animated character. I mean, it, it looks really good to me. There were I did not see any seams watching this movie. Um, um, especially and, the really big one that always stands out to me as far as the um, best use of showing off what they could do with blending the animation and the live action is the handcuff scene. Like everything from the moment Roger is handcuffed to Mm -hmm. Eddie up until the bar scene where they, um, where they, where they saw, saw the cuffs off and Roger Mm -hmm. seamlessly slips his hand out. And he's like, you could have done that at any time, not at any time, only when it was funny. Right. Yes. That was that's a great like comic line. And, you know, if you like the way that this movie presents, this is a world where these cartoons are real, you know, like they're they exist. They live lives in the in this world Mm -hmm. um, and they interact with they interact with the creators. Um, You know, you get that right right from the beginning of this movie. Um, And before I get to that, I did just want to point out one line that the cab said. I think it was Benny is his name, Benny the cab. So this movie takes place in the 1940s, and I love that he's complaining about the Dodgers, and he's like, how about those Brooklyn Dodgers? Are they bums or what? (laughs) This is a year, I don't remember what year, you know, sometime in the 80s. Uh, 1947, yeah. Well, right, but the Dodgers were now in L.A. when this movie came out, right? right, I think the Dodgers won in 1987. Uh, Is it 87 or 88, the Kurt Gibson year? 
Uh, yeah, I don't. The homer, I think it was '88. I might yeah. be wrong, but Chester will write in and skewer me. But yeah, I mean, Dodgers World Series. I mean, they obviously they won in 2020, but um, but they won. In, yeah, they won in '88. Um, yeah. So, so this you was... know, the, the Dodgers were good, right? And and right. it's just like a, such a fun meta line to have in there that, that this guy in the 40s is complaining about the Dodgers, who in the current time would be cheering the Dodgers because they're good. Yeah. Um, and there's so much of that in here. There's so many fun little lines. Like, and, uh, I love how they're constantly compl- like saying, how how is this plan even possible? Like, they're, they're, nobody drives in L.A. Yeah. You, you never have to worry about the traffic. People just right. take the tram car. <laughs> it's like. And LA. that the whole plot re- yeah. revol- revolves around Judge Doom is wanting to build a freeway through Toontown, yeah, right? And that's exactly. he wants to destroy Toontown so that he can take the land, um, which, you know, again, like Latanya brought up the social commentary of this movie, mm-hmm. which um, I don't feel like qualified to really speak on. But she said, basically, on our episode last week, she said, yeah, what's great about Roger Rabbit is that the tunes are stand ins for black people. And yeah, and I mean, I think it's mostly stand ins for the suburbs around LA that got destroyed during this this era. Mm-hmm. To make to make way for the highways and byways and interstates and yeah and just I think yeah I think if you see the tunes as just a stand-in for mar- for a marginalized community yeah, exactly. that's being exploited so they can build a they can build a freeway through their through their homes exactly. um, it, it really like you know for a movie that is a kids movie that it really takes on a lot of adult themes and that's one of the mm-hmm. adult themes that I definitely did not pick up on and I'm glad that she pointed that I'm out sure. I would not have picked up on that as a kid. Between um, that and um, Eddie being just a straight up alcoholic mm-hmm. um, for a lot of it, like you don't really pick up on that as a kid. Like there's a line in there where one of the cops says to him, is your name still Eddie Valiant or did you change your name to Jack Daniels? Right, exactly. And that's a line I didn't get when I was a kid, but as an adult, I was like, ouch. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of adult themes. My my yeah. biggest takeaway from this was I cannot believe my, my parents let me watch mm-hmm. this when I was a kid because I didn't see it. You know, I saw it um, probably shortly after it came out on video. So I would have been probably four or five years old. And I, I've watched this movie so many times. You know, there was the nostalgia was going off for me so much watching this. And I was like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. And um, But it's been a long time since I've seen it. And there were definitely jokes. There were products in this. Uh, there were interesting just interesting lines that, you know, the adults can get something out of it. The kids can get something out of it. Sort of like how modern day Pixar has that. So, yeah, um, you know, like, and then not to mention the like sexualization of Jessica rabbit, which is a kid again, you're, you don't pick up on that, but Eddie says to her nice booby trap at one point and Mm -hmm. um, she's scantily clad and curvy for, you know, look, she's a cartoon though. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see some of the stuff that was baked I mean, in for adults, some of the stuff that's baked mm-hmm. in for kids, and then, you know, the stuff that's just baked in to just be very clever and meta in this movie. And, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, I mean, some of the stuff with Jessica is also owned by the character itself. She's like, I'm not bad. I was just drawn that way. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the mm-hmm. most iconic lines from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did Jessica Rabbit of, exist before this movie? Like, she's not a pre-existing so, character. No. She's not a pre-existing character. And is Roger a pre-existing character? Um, I believe he was a forgotten character from this era. Um, and then that is what the book is about. Um, who censored Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. But I've never read the book, so I can't say for sure. Um, I didn't do any research into the book. Um, yeah. Maybe I should have, but um, I believe you it's read about... the book this week, Brendan. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Book club, failing 
Well, books about rabbits might come up later. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think it's – I love the Robert Zemeckis of it all. Like, just this week, I've been thinking yeah. a lot about Robert Zemeckis because Tom Hanks was on Bill Simmons' podcast, and he was talking a lot about Castaway and Forrest mm-hmm. Gump and his experience working with Robert Zemeckis. I also saw Robert Zemeckis will be making – a Pinocchio movie. Um, there's not a date associated with it, but it's starring Tom Hanks. So okay. uh, live action Pinocchio movie with Tom Hanks. Luke Evans is in it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Keegan-Michael Key are all uh, as well. Uh, Tom Hanks playing Geppetto. Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing Jiminy Cricket. So, you know, I, you know, I love uh, Tom Hanks. Obviously, he's my favorite actor, but it's really great to see him with, uh, you know, in these movies. It's directed by by Robert Zemeckis, um, obviously mm-hmm. Castaway, Forrest Gump. Um, but then, you know, some, of my, some a lot of my other favorite movies have been directed by Robert Zemeckis. I, and I was thinking that Robert Zemeckis might be my favorite director of all movies. Oh, you think? I mean, he did he did my favorite movie of all time, Back to the Future. Castaway point. is very high up there for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think Roger Rabbit, Contact, and Death Becomes are all very highly uh, underrated. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, else. as much as we talk about Death Becomes Her on this podcast, I mean, you right? Know. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Forrest Gump as well. I thought Flight was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romancing the Stone was not. Romancing the Stone was terrible, but um, it's one of your least favorites. I know. Yeah, I don't know why. I just don't like that. And I've heard What Lies Beneath is a good uh, good one to revisit. I do like What Lies Beneath. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know how I got on on the that kick, but. Um, I do think just Robert, the Robert Zemeckis of this movie and mm-hmm. the ways the ways this movie really kind of connects to Back to the Future, which is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I can, you can feel it in there. Do you think that the tunnel that goes to Toontown was the same tunnel from Back to the Future Part Two? Because it sure looked like it to me. It's quite possible um, because especially if they were filming around the same time and they, which they probably were, right? Filming mm-hmm. Back to the Future 2 around the same time. And then also... Um, Probably the same in, lot, right? In the same location. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere outside Pasadena, you know, they may have had this same location. And then, like, hey, let's save money by using this same tunnel. So it's quite possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it looked very similar to me, and I thought that I thought that was... I was like, oh, was, you know, I was pointing at the mm-hmm. screen when I saw that. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, and I do want to talk too. We mentioned the the opening of this movie, but I think there's so much just in the first 10, 15 minutes of this right. movie um, that is just the only way I can describe it as meta, right? That we have well, the movie starts with a cartoon, just like older movies would start with a cartoon, and you think that you're watching a you know a, a pre movie cartoon, which was very right. common. Exactly. Um, I remember as a kid seeing you know you'd see those cartoons that would be before Pixar has the shorts right. that are on before their movies. That's uh, what I was about to say. And now you get those in modern Disney Pixar movies, is they mm-hmm. have like the little five minute shorts before yep. their movies, and this sort of brought that back. Right. As but what you don't realize is the mm-hmm. short that you think you're watching is actually they're filming exactly. Roger's scene. Um, yep. Roger and Baby. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Baby, Baby Herman. So it's Baby, Baby Herman. Yes. And Baby, it's uh, what is it called? Uh, something's cooking, or something. Yeah, like I think that. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where where Roger is playing the he's he has to be the babysitter and right. um, you know, again this this opening scene I had seen this so many times yeah. watching uh, you know, yeah. watching this movie as a kid that it was just like really triggered all of my nostalgia. But yeah, nostalgia. and I mean not not to step on any you know potential future uh connections but i mean i really love the 
comedic way the um, animation in that scene unfolds as far as all of the Rube Goldberg-esque yes. uh, ways yep. that Roger ends up getting injured in the in these opening five minutes in the mm-hmm. kitchen. Like, it's, yeah. it's very, very, um, very, very cool and very, very funny. Um, yeah. And very, especially much, like what you would, very yeah. much like what you would see in Looney Tunes, right? right uh, or sure. like any, any kind of cartoon of the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and that the, that the the scene ends with a refrigerator being dropped on Roger, right. which is very similar to a safe being dropped on a character, which we see in this exactly. movie right? yep. a number of times. And um, a piano getting dropped on Eddie's brother, yeah. which is how Eddie's brother died. So it's very like being crushed by a giant comedic mm. object. Exactly. And what happens? Well, Roger screws up the scene. Yeah. And this is something, you know, like, it, it's so fun that the how he screws it up is he sees birds instead of seeing, uh, instead of seeing stars, which, yeah. of course, if, you know, in real life, it would just be the animator who's drawing the birds or the stars. But it's, right. you know, Roger's in charge of this. Roger's off his game. Why is Roger off his game? Because he's worried about Jessica Rabbit, which mm-hmm. is what drives the rest of the plot of this movie. So, so much is set exactly. up in that opening scene. Um mm-hmm for the rest of this movie and it's um and you even you know you even get some of the characters who come back like uh baby herman that yep. you know is voiced by like basically like a danny devito or basically could be bob hoskins who does the voice for uh him. let me tell you who the voice of baby herman it's not it's i is? it's yeah um, I, I looked it up it's lou hirsch it's who does lou it. hirsch who i don't know who that is but um yeah. yeah most of the animated characters are played by um, characters they had on contract, or actors, I should say, voice actors they had on contract at Warner Brothers and Disney at that time for all of their various cartoons. So, mm-hmm. like, like you have Mel Blanc as Bugs Bunny, and you have, you know, Wayne Alwyn as Mickey Mouse, and you have Joe Alasky as uh, Yosemite Sam, and all those are the regular voices for those characters in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um and you um, know, and it, then you get the interaction between sorry, the yeah. different characters. You get the interactions mm-hmm. between Donald Duck and Daffy Duck and exactly. uh, Mickey Mouse, and I don't even remember who was with Mickey Mouse, but Bugs, um, Bugs. Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the big two. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. the big two together, and then you know, because you had, um, I was trying to figure out who in the movie because you see Tweety Bird when Eddie is hanging from the flagpole in Two Town. But you don't see another character with Tweety, so I was trying to figure out maybe who the Disney analog that got as much screen time as Tweety was to figure out where that balance was, mm-hmm. or if that was one they sort of let slide. You know yeah, I mean? that was that was kind of a um, maybe well, it was it, Goofy. It was a, yeah, I was going to say it Goofy. Must have been Goofy because they used Goofy through for the whole movie scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um. We never see Pluto at all in this, do we? Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, and Pluto is Pluto. You would think is a pretty big name, but you do see Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. Which right after that, you get a scene with Betty Boop. So I wonder if those two are the 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 flip of that for some reason. Is Betty Boop a Warner character? I believe Betty Boop is a Warner Brothers character. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, and then uh, Droopy the dog. Uh, yeah, which is not not to be confused with Snoopy the dog, right. is man in the elevator, right? And Jerky is a Warner Brothers character, right? Um, so I think so. Get, yeah. So then you get Yosemite Sam. No, Yosemite Sam is also a Warner Brothers character. Droopy right? might be a Disney character, actually. Oh, he could be. Let's see, Droopy the dog. 
Because I would get, I would bet that he is the analog for Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Um, if he's a Disney character. Yeah, I don't know. It just says Tex Avery, produced by. Oh, it's MGM. Oh, he's a, yeah. Then yeah. Okay. So they have a bunch that are sort of in between um, early fifties that aren't owned by either. So like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is and then so that that same. that uh you know, meta mm-hmm. opening continues because the music that you're hearing, the score that you're hearing, mm. they show, and it's actually people playing music, right? Like it's the, it's the person mm. on set or they're walking and you hear like a saxophone music, like a jazzy saxophone playing. And it's actually the guy in the, uh, it's actually the guy in the, in the alley playing his saxophone. Right. Or you even get like Frank Sinatra voices, the singing sword when Eddie pulls out the sword during the fight with Doom's goons he pulls out like a singing sword and that's actually Frank Sinatra playing the singing sword. Yes. Which is like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you, just like lots of little things that you catch. As you're yeah. Just like movie. little, little it's stuff that, you know, as a kid, you're just interested in like the Pratt falls and the, you know, the, mm. the crazy driving the cab around and Roger being funny, Roger being tied up. So, um, and of course, you know, we, we're getting, we're getting judge doom throughout the movie and, uh, you know, he's played by Christopher Lloyd, who turns out that he's actually a tune in disguise in a rubber yeah. mask, um, you know, which, you know, keeping on the Halloween theme that we have the rubber mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets he has this dip that he's created and the dip is um, what, uh, you know, what can kill these tunes. And he's using it to kill tunes, and almost kills Roger with it. He ends up killing himself with it uh, as he's you, after. Do he's you understand out. what the ingredients of dip are? I think so, I remember him mentioning it, but I don't. I didn't pick up on what so, it was. So they're basically the ingredients of like paint thinner, like what you would use to erase uh, an animated cell off of a. Um, that's fun. Off of a clear cell sheet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why it's like yeah, it's even like more meta than you think that this is this is what he used to make this dip is the stuff that animators actually use to create a blank cell, like to erase a cell. And that, that's interesting, too, yeah. because the, um, you know, Acme, who gets killed, right, he mm-hmm. writes out his will in um, disappearing, writes, in disappearing Ink. And so, you again, you have that disappearing ink, um, yeah. even though I did. But it's uh, I had disappearing, seen this movie before, reappearing. Right. Even though mm-hmm. I had seen this movie before, I had forgotten. But as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. right. This is definitely the disappearing ink is going to be what he wrote his, his will with. Right. And that's what, that's what ends up happening. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, R.K. Maroon, who is the head of Maroon Studios, which I think is a, yeah. a made-up cartoon studio. Yeah, it was something to give them a banner to have both the Disney and Warner Brothers characters there without mm-hmm. calling it without calling it Disney Studios or Warner Studios. Mm-hmm. They, it oh. could, they could they could give it a a um, merge name, a merge tribe name. Yes, to exactly. Studios. So, yeah. Um, and you know, so he he he's the one who hires Eddie to to investigate Jessica Rabbit, mm-hmm. so that he can um, hopefully you know stop having his star be so distracted by his wife, who's potentially cheating on him. Again, this is a kids movie, um, and he catches her playing after after going to the nightclub, which that nightclub scene is like iconic for me as a kid. Yeah, um, I've seen that so many times. But he catches her and Acme playing patty cake in the dressing room. Yeah, um, and. All of this leads to Roger getting going, uh, going nuts, and the and Roger ends up getting framed, 
you know, the titular framed uh, mm-hmm. for the death of Acme, who she, yep. who pops up dead the next day. Yep. So, um, yeah. And so this the rest of this movie continues on with with Eddie and Roger trying to prove that Roger was framed and Roger was not the one who killed Acme. Um, in the meantime, Maroon gets killed as well. And then, uh, you know, we do have we do have the judge, uh, Judge Doom, who we we finally find out at the end was was behind it all. Just like a like a like a Scooby Doo cartoon, right? He gets his mask ripped off and he's revealed as the villain of this movie. So, um, we have the we have the weasels. We've not talked. To yep. We haven't really talked about Eddie either. But uh, what do you think of the weasels as like our henchmen? For I mean, they're uh, fun. They're they're good henchmen. I mean, they're they're memorable for sure. Um, they're they're good memorable henchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, I no, I mean, I I like the idea of them. Not being able to stop laughing is what kills them. I think the that's downfall. A, yeah, I think that's really clever. Um, yeah, because you actually like you want to be the one laughing, not the characters. So I mean, it's sort of a meta thing of like, you know, they they should probably not be able to laugh so much. Like you know, it's it reminded me a lot of the hyenas in um, yes, the relationship between the hyenas and Scar in um, Lion King for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that each of the weasels has kind of its own uh, personality. Yeah. yeah, its own personality. Right. You have like the weasel who's in the straight jacket, which, um, you know, maybe that doesn't age that well for the mm-hmm. depiction of, of somebody who's a little bit mentally unstable. Um, but then you have um, I think there were a couple other, you know, a couple other like types of the weasels, but they each mm-hmm. have their own personality. There's like the leader weasel and the one with the Tommy gun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very much like the gangsters who are who are tunes themselves but working to round up the rest of the tunes mm-hmm. so, um yeah i think um you know one of the big surprises for me watching this movie was how long it took for the movie to really get going into the right. main driving plot and actually t- there's a, it there's actually a does, good yeah. amount of setup um between roger finding out about his his wife jessica and um and then having having uh, Acme be killed and mm-hmm. then that, that whole framing and, and Eddie having to try to help um, Roger prove his, prove his innocence. So I it's like 40 minutes movie, before that happens. I do think the movie moves at a pretty good pace though. I mean, for being an hour and a half long, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, I don't really feel the hour and a half at all. I mean, no, I think it's, I think it moves at a really good pace. I think it, because it needs to take that time to really set up the characters in order to pay off the last half hour when every, when, you know, Eddie gets to Toontown, figures out the plot, gets Roger back, they get to the warehouse, they have the big standoff with Doom and the goons, and it all has to sort of pay off in one big, you know, action scene inside the Acme warehouse. And I think Mm -hmm. you need that, that scene pays off, you know, everything from the first hour really nicely, I think. Yeah, I know. I definitely don't think the movie feels long. Mm. Um, I was just surprised that, you know, there's the plot of this movie is very simple, Um, you know, especially compared to some of the other film noir that we've done over the last few months. Yeah, there Uh, there aren't too many twists and turns. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking back specifically, um, you know, to when we did The Big Sleep and The Long Goodbye and Inherent Vice, where there's these investigations and the, you know, the, the investigator, the detective gets pulled into an investigation that's way more uh, than he was anticipating. And, um, you know, there's, 
it, he's going to all these different places to get information. And really, I mean, I guess for a kid's film noir, you have to keep the plot sort of simple. But mm. it's sort of like the only place where they go, they go to Toontown, they get some more information at Toontown. Then they come back and they realize uh, where Judge Doom yeah. is hiding out. And they go to the warehouse. So I, so here's my question for you. And I, how good of a PI do you think Eddie Valiant really is? Like, do you think that, like, I, I mean, because I think he's a pretty, I think he's a pretty good private eye, but I also mm-hmm. think that he needs a lot of help along the way to really figure out what happened here. Yes, I, because he, I think it's because he's lost his fastball yeah. because his brother was killed. Yeah, that's um, true. And we don't really know why Judge Dune killed his brother. I mean, do we ever right. find, there's no reason. It's just that. And they were ha, investigating ha, ha, something. They were investigating something, and that's all we know. Yeah. Right, yeah. We never we never really get too much of that backstory. Um, so how do you feel he ranks up against our other PIs that we've covered this year? Like, I mean, oh. we, between our, you know, our great Granthams and our inherent vice Joaquin Phoenixes and our... And like Philip um, Marlowe. And our, and our two Philip Marlowes and right. our Lebowski. You know, I mean, where where does he... Is he closer to being a Lebowski or is he closer to being, you know, a great Grantham, which he's definitely not? Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely think I would say Philip Marlowe is at the top um, mm. in terms of just I mean, it's been a while since I watched those. But I think that I think that that Philip Marlowe is probably the most effective private investigator. Um, which Marlowe? Which Marlowe? Marlo? Oh, um, think Big Sleep. Right. Big Sleep. Well, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember which was which was less of a less of a screw up than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that was months ago at this point, Brendan. Yeah, good point, um, good point. Yeah, and I feel like Lebowski and then the detective in Inherent Vice Vault, uh, or uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, yeah. were kind of pulled in to, you know, what they didn't realize what they were getting into. So, mm-hmm. um, But I do just think that Eddie aligns as a character more with that Philip Marlowe. Um, you know, he lives, he lives in his office and I love the setting of his office too. It's just, even in, Mm. in live action, it's very much feels like a cartoon, right? That his bed falls into the wall and it looks like a filing cabinet, um, allowing, allowing Roger to hide in there and the way his desk and he's got papers all over the place and he's washing his laundry in his sink, um, Mm. you know, with the giant, the giant box of, of detergent, Right. And it just very much, even in the real world, feels like a cartoon version of 1940s L.A. For sure. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get that with the setting as well um, with the production office where we have like yeah. that secret back room where yeah. they're editing the film. Um, and we have a lot of secret back rooms in this movie, actually. We have the secret back room in the production office. We have the secret mm-hmm. back room from Prohibition. In the bar. In yeah. the bar. Um, yeah. The bar which shakes every time the train goes by. Yeah. Um, and then we have our big warehouse, which again, like feels like something straight out of either a cartoon or a comic strip, um, yeah. which I, uh, I don't want to talk more about that. Exactly. Yes. I was going to say that, that will come up shortly, I think. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, just that whole feel of like 1940s classic Hollywood. For sure. Uh, yeah. always, always great to see on screen and to see this in, in much more of a cartoon way that, um, sort of reminds me of, you know, if you went to like MGM studios as a kid. Um, mm. And that was, you know, that was an amusement park that was supposed right. to look like an old style Hollywood studios. Yep. It, it reminds me of that where everything's just a little bit bigger and more, uh, more animated than yep. the live action. Yeah. So I, I thought it might be fun to go. So we have 
Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant, and we have Christopher Lloyd as Judge Doom. We have a couple of different casting choices for people that could have been both of those characters. Um, Steven Spielberg actually wanted Zemeckis to use Harrison Ford as Eddie Valiant. How do you think that works, given... Ford in 1988, it's between Working Girl and Last Crusade. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he, I don't think it works very well. I don't think he's grumpy enough yet. Yeah, no, he's an actor. Yeah, um, I don't think he's a big enough grump yet. I think he yeah, Valiant just seems very much like he's beaten down, down on his <laughs> luck. He's been in the game for so long, and he's just kind of like, I, I buy him more as the alcoholic detective who's, <laughs> you know, getting over the loss of his brother and. You know, again, he he has this hatred of cartoons, not quite mm. what the judge has, but he hates the cartoons right. because he thinks the cartoons were responsible for his brother being killed. Sure. And then um, what about on the other end of the spectrum um, for Valiant? What about Bill Murray was another actor that was considered. And I, I think, think Bill Murray is too silly. I think so, too. And that's the that's the opposite problem is you can't have somebody that's just as zany as Roger mm-hmm. as the straight man. Like, because the audience won't take him seriously. It'll just take them out of the movie. Right. So I agree. Yeah. Um, what about Robert Redford? Um, Robert Redford is interesting. He was also considered, according to this wiki. So, oh, interesting, um, yeah. It's a, I, I think he would actually be really, really interesting. Maybe a little too straight, man. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, he definitely is able to, you know, pull off the 1940s style with the fedora and the you know, ruffled suit and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Doom goes, there's a couple names on here that I found were really interesting. Uh, Christopher Lee. Oh, um, they just like oh, Christopher L's. They're yeah. only they're only looking at Christopher L's. Exactly. So the only thing they were doing that Christopher Lee really done around that time that was mainstream was his appearance in Grunlins Two: The New Batch. Mm. Um, and then uh, they apparently um taped and auditioned Tim Curry, but found his portrayal of Doom too frightening. And so they actually were like, all right, we need somebody else who's not quite as terrifying as Tim Curry. So, but I think that really would have been interesting. I could I could have seen that. Yeah, Tim Curry would make sense, I think, as, mm. as Judge Doom. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd works... You don't expect, I think, you know, as a kid, I would, did not expect that he was going to end up being right. the, the ultimate person behind this. Although, as an adult, you watch it and he's just so villainous. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, like, cartoonishly villainous. Why so. is there a judge giving punishment in the first place like he's a cop? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Right. Yeah. And he, I mean, and I was trying to follow when they're explaining, yeah. you know, his backstory that he kind of appeared out of nowhere. Um, and bought his way into the spot of judge, I think is what they said. So it's like, you know, you're getting you're getting some of those like things from other more classic film noirs, like, um, you know, like a uh, the 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 corrupt politician who's bought right. his way into power. And um, right. exactly. Yeah. So I, I in this is one of the things I want to talk about with this movie is for me. I think this movie really inspired kind of my love for movies as a kid, because as a kid, you're watching behind the scenes of movies, you're seeing animated and live action work together. You're seeing all these references, you know, it's kind of an on-ramp for detective stories of film noir that you don't get. Yeah. And for animation. But as a kid, you're already probably interested in in Looney Tunes and things like that. But it, it really is an on-ramp for some of these more adult movies that then you can watch those as an adult. And then you come back to this movie and you see how it was referencing those um 
you know, similar again to, you know, brought up a lot, but similar to Dick Tracy, right? The Dick Tracy yep. references those old gangster movies, but packages it as a, you know, cartoon uh, superhero movie. For sure. I mean, this is a really fun movie about movies when you think about it. Like mm-hmm. the Definitely. way people saw the movie business in quote unquote classic old Hollywood and the studio system. It's a really interesting commentary on all of that. Um, and I, I think it's a really fun movie about movies. And it's a movie to get you interested in how they make movies, too. I exactly. Yep. Big, time, and, big time. And, it, um, you know, you can even look at the tunes. It's like stand-ins. You know, I did. I know we did say, like, stand-ins mm. for different marginalized communities, stand-ins for the black community. But right. even just as, you know, Roger is a stand-in for some comic actor who right. can't complete – he can't do his jokes because he's too hung up on his personal life. And he's a really funny comedian who's dating this, you know, supermodel like singer. You're Jerry, you're Jerry Lewis type. Right, exactly. And you've um, – and the way he's interacted, I mean, you could just sub out all of the animated characters for real people, yeah. uh, real people and do like a live-action version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit sure. and have the same plot, just take out all the cartoon elements of it. For sure. Although I don't know what you would do to take care – to replace the dip. Um, to not make it like cartoony. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, he could be like a real murderer and just be killing them. That's true. Know? Yeah, he could just be an actual like serial killer. <laughs> right. Uh, or you know, and in, in Dick Tracy, they're putting them in the uh, concrete. Oh, true. Yeah, they're burying them in the cement. Gangster style. Yep. Yeah, my movie map is not going to be surprised at all this week. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of uh, maps to other movies, should we get into feedback? Yeah, let's get into our feedback. Um, so we've got uh, some of the feedback just came in. So hot yes. off the presses. So uh, Jeff sent in his feedback and he said he's seen this movie, but it's been a while and he really liked it. And uh, so if he was going to rate it, he would give it a 4.5 just based on how well written it is mm-hmm. and the humor for both kids and adults. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think we I think we hit on most of that. Um, yep. Jim Crumley says, Who Cried Roger Rabbit took big swings and connected on a lot of them. It was the biggest crossover event of the 80s. Technically, the animation live-action hybrid was amazing for its time and still holds up pretty well. My biggest complaint is that I like Toontown better and would have loved to see more of Detective Valiant hanging out in Toontown. Four out of five stars, though, from Jim Crumley. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, I was. I will say I was surprised that we don't get more Toontown. Mm. But I, I didn't really I love okay this. Yeah, I didn't really love the stuff in Toontown. I like the stuff in real Hollywood. I like yeah, the I like cartoon it characters in Hollywood. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like the Toontown stuff is kind of fun. That then you know, then Eddie is the one in the cartoon, so he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's following the woman that he thinks is Jessica Rabbit, and right. it's you know, like a this like uh, I don't, I don't want, I don't know what to say. I yeah, guess I'll I say know, the cartoon is an, it's, it's an ugly cartoon. It's not Jessica. Yeah, not as not as attractive as Jessica, if you can say a cartoon is attractive or ugly. Uh, and then she chases him out, you know, into the bathroom. For some reason, the side of the building is missing and he he does the like looking down and and falling. So, you know, Toontown itself, very yeah. fun. Um, but I don't know. I, I just like seeing the real world Hollywood, especially as an adult. As a kid, I probably would have liked to have seen more Toontown. I, I do really like the uh, Mickey of Bugs with the parachutes and giving him the spare as he's flying through the air and two down as he's about to crash on the ground. I think that 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 is really funny to me. I think that I think that works really well. So Jim talks about the biggest crossover event of the eighties. Do you know what the biggest crossover event of the nineties was? It's very uh, similar Jam. to this. Space, uh, Jam. Space Jam is probably one. Uh, I was gonna say cartoon all stars to the rescue. Ooh. Do you remember okay. this? 
No, I did not. What is this? Was a keep kids off drugs VHS. It was free to rent at the video store, and it was the same thing where it combined Disney characters and Warner Brothers characters. It probably had some similar deal to this, but it had like, um, you know, it had Huey, Dewey, and Louie in it, um, like the Ducktales kids. But then it had like Alf, and oh um, yeah, I'm trying to remember who. I mean, like Ecto, Ecto was in it from like all these different cartoon characters, and it was about a boy whose brother gets into uh, doing some sort of drugs. And um, and it's just basically like a, a big like feature-length PSA of don't do drugs. It had an intro from Barbara Bush at the beginning, I remember. Where oh, she's, or maybe wow. it was Nancy Reagan. It was Nancy Reagan. It was one of the wow. first ladies saying, don't do drugs, please, kids. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, I, I remember watching this a lot. Um, <laughs> I just watched this video a lot. You never saw this cartoon? cartoon no, cartoon? I have no idea what the hell you're talking oh about. Oh my god, alright. Uh, you mostly just miss me. Yeah, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. I just looked it up. It came out in 1990. I uh, must already been on drugs at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you weren't... I was interested in... I was just addicted to free video rentals. from. Video <laughs> oh, this one's free? I'll take this. It's a cartoon with all my favorite cartoons? Yeah. I don't really care what they're saying. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, it was uh, I was simulcast on TV in April twenty first, nineteen ninety. Oh, one day after four twenty. I, I may have seen out. it. I may have yeah. seen it then. Yeah, um, it yeah look it up. It, it's it's pretty funny. I remember like there was the like the drugs were you know it was a cartoon and was voiced by like a smoke thing, sort of like what you get in like Big Mouth where you have the smoke like the hormone monster. Um, yeah. I am the smoke thing. Yeah, the Smurfs were in it too. That's what that's right. The Smurfs album. So it's like all these different all these different cartoon characters coming together to save the kid's brother so he doesn't uh, get on drugs. So. All right, well, what does Owen have to say, Zach? All right, Owen says, uh, well, this just confirms that despite the monopolization of childhood nostalgia, the Disney stock of characters couldn't hold a candle to Warner Brothers and Mel Blanc's sublime voice work. Just don't tell my wife I said that. Nice film. Some great worked-out physical gags with Bob Hoskins as a compelling central character, a good blend of adult and children, but doesn't quite fully hit on either side. Decently fun, three out of five. Nice. Uh, so this this actually hits on an interesting point, which is I think at this point in time, Warner Brothers probably was bigger than Disney as far as the TV cartoon, net, cartoon market went and maybe even like the animated shorts and stuff mm-hmm. because Disney Disney was at a slump in 1988. They hadn't really had a hit in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this film is pretty much credited with um, with the animation boom that comes in the late 80s and early 90s for Disney. Mm-hmm. So this sort of, because this this is the first project that Michael Eisner took on when he took over Disney. Mm. So this was sort of his first big swing. And the success of this movie allowed them to do, like, The Little Mermaid and... The, um, you know, uh, whatever. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah. Um, And Little Mermaid was 1989. So that was the year after this was the Little Mermaid, which didn't obviously didn't have any of these characters in it. But that was like, I think it's called the Disney revival, I think is what it was called. Exactly. um, Something like that. This was sort of the movie that allowed Disney to realize that they could just start taking swings again. Yeah, but I do think, I mean, Disney World was still a thing at this point because I think I went to Disney World. But Disney movies weren't. I mean, Disney movies yeah. weren't as big of a thing at this point. It's a point mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, so Grace did not write in a review, but she did have a star rating on Letterboxd, which I pulled with four stars. Um, but I'm, I, I think Grace must have liked this movie. She gave us four stars. So I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. And then uh, Kyle sent in his feedback and he said three stars rated strongly based on the context of when it came out and the uniqueness and the of the undertaking. All the Easter eggs are less fun or funny than I remembered them or by today's standards. I don't think it really stands up, but I think it is impressive for what it did at the time. Uh, almost knocked off half a star based on the racist bullet. And I wasn't sure what the racist bullet meant. And then I realized he meant literally the bullets, like the, oh, the bullets kind of like, that were, yeah, like this. Yeah. It was like speedy guns. It was like a speedy Gonzalez, like, uh, yeah, they were broad, uh, broad stereotype. They were not great. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, there definitely are, are jokes and references in this that don't quite yeah. hold up. Um, yeah. I mean, Davey, Davey, Davey Herman literally goes under someone's skirt and like looks up. Mm-hmm. when he's in his carriage. Right. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, well, baby. What can what do you, you expect? Know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, as he it, says, he's a 45-year-old man trapped in a baby's body. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I do think, like, it, it's kind of weird. I, again, the Jessica Rabbit thing, like, it just felt weird mm-hmm. watching this and being right. like, A, like, I was allowed to watch as a kid, but then you're watching her like, this is a cartoon, but it's like a very sexual cartoon. Oh, right, uh, right, right, right. Like a very sexual depiction of Jessica Rabbit. So it's okay. kind of strange. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's 1980s. Movies, but, kid. Yeah. All right, so we are averaging out at a 3.7 from the listeners. Uh, Zach, do you want to give your final rating first? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, this is definitely like a nostalgia bump, but I think I'm going to give it a 4.5 as well. Like, I just think it's, it's, what it does is so unique. It, it's such a good job of blending kid and adult humor um, and on ramping kids to a love of movies, love of movie making, the studios and giving them a history. Um, and I think it, it kind of for me, it was one of the formative movies of my life. So um, just looking at 19 like, well, I guess if I was just looking at 1988, I think this would be like when I was growing up, the number one movie of 1988. This and Back to the Future were really big for me, right. really influent, really influential. I mean, this was the um, number two movie at the box office behind Rain Man in 1988. Yeah. Um, also, 1988, Beetlejuice and Big mm-hmm. as well. So other two movies that were it very... It is a big year. Yeah. Uh, very big for my my development. Oh, and Willow as well was 88. Mm-hmm. Another movie I was big on. Um, so, yeah, I just think based on like... And it still holds up. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I would watch it again, you know, sometime in the near future. So mm-hmm. um, all good things. I mean, the only thing I would I would just say is like they could probably clean it up a little bit. Um like not not saying like the content, but just like it could be like a little bit tighter. Jokes could be a little bit better. So it's not quite a five star, but four and a half for me. Uh, I'm actually going to give this movie a five. Nice. And uh, I think there I think there are some tiny things that you could nitpick and bump this movie down for. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, based on a few things, and it may just be my nostalgia goggles talking. But this movie did so much, not just for a young kid like me who was eight years old and saw this for the first time and realized what movies could do, but opened the doors wide open for where movies was, were going to go in the future for the next 20 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the way I, this, the way that this movie handles IP, right? Like yeah. the way that IP is so, you know, we talk about exactly. space jam, um, Avengers, MCU, yeah. like bringing the universes movie, together. Exactly. I, and I, I absolutely love the performances. I absolutely love, a lot of the comedy still holds up. A lot of the just fun stuff of like, oh, hey, there's Donald and Daffy playing piano together. Isn't that mm-hmm. awesome? Oh, man, Yosemite Sam is here. There's like lots of little stuff that's just like really, really fun. And this movie just, it, this movie took me back watching it last night to like remembering why I actually enjoy animated films 
from time to time. And this is a really good movie. Um, yeah, it's going to land at a five for me. And so between the 3.7 from the listeners, five from me, and the 4.5, it's going to land at a 4.4 overall. For, nice. Uh, yeah, for us. So 4.5 is what we'll round up to on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah good Good that the, the host gets so much influence on the final score. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, too, like you're, you're talking about all the different characters. Like each character gets like its own beat. Right. But just like like Tweety Bird gets the one scene where Tweety Bird is pulling the pulling Eddie's fingers off and we get, you know, the Mickey and Bugs scene and Daffy like we get we just get to check in with each of these classic characters in this movie. And um, yeah, it's a little something to do. You get Dumbo outside of a window and the guy's like, why the hell do we have an elephant? He's like, he's all alone. Um, You know, if we wanted to just keep doing animated movies, there's so many options here for connections. Uh, exactly speaking of connections why don't we get into some connections um so of course uh the big one is kathleen turner was the lead in serial mom um and she voices jessica rabbit in this movie um i don't know if i have any other big connections though just people dying in really unique ways Mm -hmm. between the dip and laughing themselves to death and getting hit on the head with a safe Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people died in some pretty unique ways in Serial Mom between getting lamb shanked to death and the scissors and the fire poker. And so, yeah, I mean, and there is a sword in this movie as well. There so is a sword. We're gonna go, like sharp, sharp objects. We didn't um, talk about my favorite prop, actually, in the movie. I forgot. Um, The boxing glove mallet, oh, which yeah. comes back, at, which is introduced at the beginning and check off a gun comes back at the end to mm. knock the dip nozzle. Mm-hmm. is like I, I love that prop and i think that is so cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah no that's, that's interesting to have a chekhov's gun introduced in this you yeah. know like again that's something that you know as a as a adult you're watching movies and you identify the chekhov's gun yep. but as a kid you're not you're, you're just like you're getting that introduction so it is so much mm-hmm. like this is filmmaking one-on-one yeah. um yeah and i think one thing you mentioned too and i do want to just go, circle back to it is you said this this kind of expanded your horizons as to like what movies could do, right? From a yeah, technical level. Sure. And I feel like this, along with Robert Zemeckis' other movie, Back to the Future, yeah. for me expanded like, okay, this is what movies can do. And it, Back to the Future is like, oh, this is what the idea of like time travel could do. If you could this go is, back in time and experience yeah. something. Like that I was didn't just an idea, know like, what time travel was before I was no. seven years old. You know? <laughs> I'd be curious how many people yeah. knew time travel before uh, before 1985. Right. So, yeah. That's 85. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get into other connections to movies. So you, you referenced it. I, I wrote this down as well, that Rube Goldberg cartoon at the beginning yes. um, ties into the, all the Rube Goldberg deaths and Final Destination. Absolutely, yep. And uh, then we also have, um, so we have all of our PIs that we talked through yep. that connect to all of our PI movies that we covered this year. Lebowski, um, Big Sleep, Long yeah. Goodbye, Inherent Vice. Uh, complicated Conspiracies, um, you know, surret- especially Serratic Judge. Surrounding judges with, uh, you know, um, Pelican Brief. Oh, yeah, that's good. Conspiracy uh, involving a judge. Um, the, the old Hollywood feel, um, you know, we've had that already with Paper Moon. Has that? It's like that sure. same era, um, yep. like that post-Prohibition uh, era as well. Prohibition is mentioned. You know, they have like that back room for Prohibition um, yep. and the Sting as well. So that like time period. Uh, crazy Cab Ride. Um yeah, it's true. Um, crazy speed sorcerer. Crazy in this one. Yeah. What's up, Doc? Um, and the the phrase "What's up, Doc?" 
is said yep. in this movie. Said so that, that was a connection between yep. Inherent Vice and What's Up Doc was What's yep. Up Doc. So we do get that phrase coming yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Prohibition from Paper Moon. And uh, we do have an alcoholic character, um, yep. which was uh, tied me back, took me to way, uh, the way back, Jack yep. and the way back. So there you go. Um, yeah. And there was a, oh, did you notice the product placement of like actual liquor? There was like Budweiser bottles in this movie. Right. <laughs> like, it's a kid's movie. There's it Budweiser bottles. bottles. I didn't yeah. notice it was actual Budweiser. That's yeah, very no. funny. It's behind the bar. So, okay. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. So, movie map uh, connecting back to the movie from last year. This is the most similar to. So, this is movie number 45. So, last year in movie number 45 was Working Girl. Which uh, uh, also came out in 1988. Uh, yep. That one stars Tom, uh, <laughs> Tom Harrison Hanks, Ford. Harrison Ford, uh, and this one almost starred Harrison Ford. Um, but what would you say is your movie map? Yeah, I mean, we hit on it earlier. I mean, Dick Tracy is the big close one. I mean, both you know based on cartoons, both you know involving a private eye trying to figure out a grand conspiracy in the and, 1940s in the too. 1940s so yeah, yeah i mean it's it's a big one to that um beetlejuice has some elements of animation style that you could say connect to this um, and 1988 in beetlejuice yep. as well and movies about movies which connects us to once upon a time in hollywood um you know movies sure. about making movies and the girl yeah for sure no, I think I think it's definitely Dick Tracy. I think the other thing is just the visual styling of Dick Tracy was so impressive mm-hmm. at the time um, that it has that cartoon feel or at least of unique, live yeah. action, um, and like all the all the costumes and the uh, the the makeup. So yeah, definitely yeah. think Dick Tracy is the closest connection. For sure. So. Right. Uh, and what's our title connection? I mean, I think it's just Kathleen Turner, to me. Sure. I mean, I just think I think we can go simple this week, and we just say Kathleen. Serial, serial Kathleen Turner. She wasn't serial in this. True. Does I, I do think uh, did Baby Herman? Baby Herman went for uh, cookies, not cereal, right? There wasn't Correct. any yeah. cereal. It was cookies, so. yeah. So yeah. No, I think it's just I just think it's. I mean, should we call it Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is connection to um, which is a connection to uh oh, what's the high fidelity? Wasn't that oh. the name of the fake band, Jack Bla- Jack Black's fake band? We were, gonna, uh, maybe. we were gonna call ourselves Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Uh like Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Kathleen so. Turner Overdrive is a musical group that comes up. Uh there's an actual <laughs> band called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Um so they oh yeah. Kathleen it's Turner Overdrive Jack. High Fidelity. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Oh nice. It's from so, High Fidelity, yeah. Oh. We should call it Kathleen Kathleen Turner Overdrive. All right, Kathleen Turner Overdrive it is. Yeah, because there is she does drive in both um There you go. She also, I think, she, I mean, she hits Roger over the head with the pan, and I'm sure she sure. hit somebody over the head in Serial Mom. So Yeah, she definitely did. All right. Well, let's get to our ladder suggestions. This is our ladder yeah. rung segment where we pick our movie for next week based on connection, based on suggestions sent in from the listeners and us, your hosts. Um, okay. One of the movies that I'm sure will come up has come up a ton on this. Let's see how many other ones. Um, I have uh, felt like I was able to get a lot of different connections with or suggestions without going with any of the characters that showed up in this movie. I agree. Just because I, I didn't want to do all, I didn't want to just stay in animation. So, um, all right, we start off with Jeff and he has back to the future and Castaway, both for that, uh, that Robert's and connection. Of course, we've talked a lot about back to the future. That we uh, have. Castaway starring Tom Hanks and he's mm-hmm. stuck on an Island. So maybe yep. Toontown is an Island. 
Do you uh, like, like Castaway? Yeah. Hey, after listening to that Tom Hanks interview, I really want to rewatch Castaway sometime soon. I'm a huge fan. So, uh, Jim's suggestion for his ladder rung. How about another noir movie about an LA detective hired to investigate infidelity, but then gets caught up in shady land dealings. And that is Roman yep. Polanski's 1974 classic Chinatown. It's um, basically the same part. I mean, like not to spoil Chinatown, but it's, yeah, it's also I mean, a real estate scam, right? Well, yeah. And it's about resources, right? That it's, yeah, uh, exactly. it's about, yeah, it's, it's about, about tearing it. down part of L.A. to build a resource. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm sure that, you know, this is one of the movies that Roger Rabbit had in mind that Robert Zemeckis sure. had in mind when they're making Roger Rabbit. Forget it. It's just Toontown. Uh, all I'm taking two movies off of my list, actually. The, yeah. uh, and I shouldn't have been surprised by either of these. Uh, the first is yeah. Long Good Friday. Bob Hoskins, in his own way, investigates a murder. Um, yep. I did write that one down. Myself. I did watch that one earlier this year. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It's a good movie. And the other one he wrote down, I wrote down this down as well, that is Harvey from 1950. Yep. Uh, drunken retrobate Jimmy Stewart hangs out with an invisible rabbit friend Harvey as reference midway through Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So, yep, yep I, I had both of those. And then one more that, that has come up a couple times, that is Dead Man. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, the 80s yep. film noir comedy with lots of classical film star cameos. Not tunes, though. So, yep, there you go. Uh, I didn't mention this at all, but I did not talk about the Alan Silvestri score in yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, very in, invoked, very much invoked the Back to the Future score. It's got that kind of like chimey sound. Yeah. Um, and I love the score, but I kept listening to it. And I'm like, this is definitely the Back to the Future, like very similar to the Back to the Future score. Not right. complaining about that because I, lo no. I love the Back to the Future score. Robert Zemeckis has a style and we just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hey, Robert Zemeckis knows what he likes, and he works with those people often. Uh, I did skip Roger over. Zemeckis. Yeah, I did skip over Max's suggestion that is Cool World. Um, yes. I believe that Brad Pitt is in Cool World. Uh, Brad Pitt. It's a about an animator who gets. I believe it's about an animator who gets trapped inside his animation. Mm, okay. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Brad Pitt. Another. We would have another Brad Pitt movie on this. That would be uh, very early Brad after, Pitt too. Right. After after having Spy Game, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood recent, mm. uh, last year, not really recently at all. Um, so getting, a, getting another Brad Pitt movie in there. Mm. All right. And then uh, Kyle's suggestions, uh, all based on movies where the reality is a bit off. The first is 13th Floor. A wealthy man discovers a shocking secret about the world in which he lives, murder mm -hmm. and twists. I know Kyle suggested 13th Floor couple weeks ago as well and then vanilla sky a movie that blurs the line between illusion and reality great oh, um, we, vanilla sky's come up a few times as well yeah vanilla sky's come up a few times is vanilla sky a blind spot for you i never can remember it is it is okay all right uh, and that's all we got in for the listeners this week uh and everybody had one fewer day Fantastic. to listen so some of our regulars didn't send in shame on you that's okay all right um so i get to go First, um, and Back to the Future, Castaway, both taken off my list. Mm -hmm. uh, Long Good Friday, Harvey taken off my list, but I still have a bunch of other ones. All right, Gotta Throw Death Becomes Her in there, again, because it's come up a yep. bunch. Um, and Robert Zemeckis, movies dealing with death and infidelity, um, and blurring the lines between, mm -hmm. I guess you could say blurring the lines between illusion and reality. Uh, the next one, uh, based on the term Honey Bunny, and a restaurant called Jack Rabbit Slims, uh, another movie that kind of you know reimagined what movies could do on screen, and that is Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's movie. Yep, um, I think that could be very fun. Uh, another one that blends two different film styles uh, to tell a story, 
And uh, I would think we would have to get Av on if we do this one, but that would be the Wizard of Oz. There you go. And there is a big connection with the ending of the movie where Doom is a Oh, true, yeah. yeah. What a world, what a world. The man behind yeah. the curtain, yeah. There you go. Um, all right, then I have a um. Let's see, I'll do one more. Um, yep. I guess I'll do the one that I would want us to pick, and I'll leave the one that I wouldn't want us to pick on my also rams. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, I'm going to do Pleasantville. Again. Cool. A lot. Pleasantville uh, characters going into a TV show. So. Go. Uh, Boom. That was actually not the one that I was going to pick, but um, I'll, I'll bump up Pleasantville, and then I'll leave four on my honorable mentions that I'll, I'll bring up Great. after you, Reachers. Great. I uh, had a, had a, quite a few that were taken by listeners, but that's okay. That's what they're here for. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the Goofy movie has to be on there. Ah. I mean, they go to the movies and they see a Goofy movie in the theater. So that Goofy, he did it. He made oh, a good yeah. movie. Is that Goof um, Troop? Goof Troop was the show, right? Goofy yeah, movie Goof is the Troop movie. Yeah, Goof Troop was the show they made after. Goofy movie is the movie. Um, a, mo- a movie about an animated rabbit. Um who's tried to protect his home, uh, Watership Down. Oh, not what I was expecting you were going to say. All right. Um, great book. Someone that someone may know is supposed to read it, and they still have ah, it. Nice. Um, anyway, uh, so One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for Christopher Lloyd, um, kind of being a little baddie. And you could also do Straight Jacket Connection, too. Yep. And then uh, which one do I want to go with? I did have cool... Um, I have a few written down for movies about making movies, but I think I have to go with Hail Caesar because it feels like the most direct connection yeah. to this one. I thought um, about that. With the, yeah, so Hail Caesar is going to be my fourth for movies about making movies. I just recently watched Hail Caesar, actually. I love um, Hail Caesar. Um, yeah. So, so, all right. Those uh, are... Let me, go, let me go through a couple of my honorable mentions. So I had Brick yep. for a uh, okay. noir with a twist. Yeah. Um, I had Brazil because uh, with Brazil. Dennis Hoskins. I just didn't think it was a Bob Hoskins. Made of a connection yeah. or Bob. Yeah. yeah, Dennis Hoskins, different Dennis guy. Haskins. Uh, Dennis Hoskins. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, Dennis Hoskins is Mr. Belding. Uh, yeah. Dennis Haskins. 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 Yeah. 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 Uh, another one with Bob Hoskins about old timey Hollywood. I just have not heard anything good about this movie, but that's Hollywoodland. Yes. Um, Yes. I didn't think about that. And then I also had Alice in Wonderland in terms of uh, animated yeah. movie uh, chasing around a white uh, wet rabbit. There you go. I did have Space Jam written down as an also ran as well as Flight and Honey Boy. Um, and then, What's Honey Boy? Why would you connect? Oh, because uh, it's about. It's a movie about it's a movie about making movies. Oh, you should have put that on your list. I have that on my watch list. Um, oh. oh, well, missed opportunity. Anyway, so. uh, I didn't think it was a strong enough connection. But yeah, I, I obviously had uh, Tiny Town and Harvey as well on my short list. So yeah. there's the cool. world, which maxed over for me. Yeah. All right. Let's take it from the top. All right. Uh, back, so we have Back to the Future, Castaway, Chinatown, Cool World, Long Good Friday, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, Harvey, 13th Floor, Vanilla Sky, Death Becomes Her, Pulp Fiction, The Wizard of Oz, Pleasantville, Goofy Movie, Watership Down, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Hail Caesar. I feel like it's a lighter week this week, but that's okay. I think, uh, mm-hmm. and that means I get to pick first. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to take from your list first, and I want to make this as hard as possible. <laughs> so I'm going to pick 
I'm going to pick Pulp Fiction because it's wild that we haven't even done Pulp Fiction yet. And we've done Reservoir Dogs and we've done Once Upon a Fire in Hollywood. I'm going to throw in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I mean, I do think, like, even, you know, the the Jackrabbit Slim's restaurant is very old time Hollywood. I think there's a lot of good connections with Pulp Fiction. Like, it'd be very fun to go uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit to Pulp Fiction. Very different movies, but. um, Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's a strong enough connection, but I'll go for it. I think it's a pretty strong connection. I'm not going to lie. I like all four. I think all four of mine are very strong connections. Um, All right. Well, I'll pick one from yours. Um, You're making it tough. I don't know what to pick from yours. Uh, Is Watership Down animated? Because I don't really want to. It is animated. It is animated. I guess Hail Caesar. I just don't really want to watch Hail Caesar. I just, well. Then you just watched it. Yeah. Let's go One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There you go. Good man. I kind of hate having the connection of like a character in a straight jacket is uh, the connection, but it, I mean, really it does. It's also uh, based on a book. Christopher Lloyd, based on a book. Um, yeah, based on a book. So. All right. Well, so what do I want to pick from the listeners? I've never seen Harvey, and I really, really want to see it. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun actually to go back to another Jimmy Stewart and pick Harvey. So I'm going to throw Harvey in there. Yeah. Harvey. Um, I believe when I looked, Harvey was not streaming anywhere easily accessible, but, um, we'll see. Uh, all right. So for me, um, yeah, I think it's such a strong connection and we've talked about it so much and, you know, let's do it. Let's just do back to the future. So I'll throw back to the future on there. I was but, thinking about Chinatown. But, but, I was thinking I was thinking about uh, Vanilla Sky because you haven't seen it. I just think we'll, mm-hmm. you know, when, if we're bringing Cruise back for another movie, we need a better connection for Vanilla. Sky. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, whew, so this is this is where the rubber meets the literal road. Um, uh, Harvey not streaming anywhere. Um, so it's out. I do like the idea of like an you know yeah the connection of an alcoholic and the rabbit that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. So uh, I I don't know something is weird about the connection to one flew over cuckoo's nest. I know that it's okay. I know that it's Christopher Lloyd. I just feel like it's kind of like comparing the crazy antics of uh, of an animated character to a to a real per- the, to a real person. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, to like somebody dealing with mental illness. Like, I just think it like it's just kind of a weird. Like, I I I would like to talk about that movie at some point. It's a great movie. Um, I think that's a very astute observation, my friend. I think it is between Pulp Fiction and Back to the Future as God intended. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, like, let's see. Back to the Future is on. Oh, it's on Peacock. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I guess that's Universal. That makes sense. Right. Um. And Pulp Fiction. I feel like it's probably on Netflix. Pulp Fiction is not streaming anywhere, believe it or not. Um, that's kind of surprising. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, the thing is taking a second to come up to say if it's... Yeah, I'm sure it's available for rental. Um, but... Oh, it's on... Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, AMC Plus or for rental, basically, ah, for Pulp Fiction. It. All right. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's time that we... You know, we we tackled this week what I would have said when I was eight. My favorite was my favorite movie of all time. I think it's time that we tackle what you would have said when you were eight was your favorite movie of all time. And let's do Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, let's do Back to the Future. Let's do it. <laughs> I was like, good let's one. Uh, yeah. No, I think, <laughs> let's, do let's do Back to the Future. We've got Christopher yeah. Lloyd. We've got 
Robert Zemeckis. We've got Alan Silvestri. Um, yeah. Probably some other connection, you know, probably some other uh, characters. I probably will watch at least the first two. Maybe I'll watch the whole trilogy tomorrow. Um, so we're not going to like, don't even bother putting in back to future part two. I don't think like for the, unless you want to leave that open for the following week, but I, I think it's. I what I think is that we should plan to talk about both. Um, the, and if the official movie ratings, is back to the future, right. But if people submit ratings for both, we'll obviously accept them, but um, the official movie is back to the future. Yeah. Cause otherwise yeah. that screws up our number. If we exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we're doing Back to the Future next week. Uh, tons of connections. Uh, well, we did talk car. about doubling up at some point. I could probably do Back to the Future tomorrow, to be honest. I don't even. Yeah, know. I know, right? I don't even know if I need to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very. I love Back to the Future. Um, it's been forever since we talked about, or since I've like watched it, and we've never talked about it on this podcast besides like referencing it a million times. So uh, it's a good way to kick off like the last couple weeks of the year, right? This will be movie yeah. number forty-five. So 46 for next week. Um, too bad it's not number 88. Too bad it's not episode 100. That's going to be episode 98 next week. Oh, man. Uh, we're almost to our 100th episode, and it could have been Back to the Future. Oh. Or close. So close. So close. Um, all right, yeah, that is that is streaming on Peacock, and uh, so you can watch it Rentable there. Rentable on Amazon or from your local library. You can Yes, or your local library. Um, it's There's a 4K edition that just came out if you want to buy it. Um, so all kinds of different ways you can get that movie. Awesome. So, all right. Um, Brendan, what are you going to watch this week? A couple of things. So I am going to watch the uh, Agnes Varda movie Faces, Places, or Criterion this week, which I'm really excited about. And then I am going to double feature for my personal ladder, uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine, and then the Sam Rockwell movie Moon as nice. my next two movies on my uh ladder on my personal ladder um i still need to go see last night in soho even though i'm hearing mixed reviews i still want to go see it um mm -hmm. so hoping to get to that sometime this week um but those are those are the big ones yeah. those are the big um, things right now yeah I, I also have to watch agnes varda movie this week um mm -hmm. and i think i was gonna watch i think it's the young girls of rockford i think is what it's called okay um i have that on my list it's supposed to be like a very a very good movie. I don't know much about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for that one. I've never watched any Agnes Varda movies, but, yes, we do have to watch one for Criterion Collection. Um, um, there's an independent movie coming out to East Street Cinema called Belfast that my brother really wants to go see with me, so might end up doing that on Sunday, but not sure. Um, now I'm not seeing Young Girls of Rockford under Agnes Varda's list of movies, and I'm wondering yeah. if it's not an Agnes Varda movie, but I thought when what, I was... What did you do? I don't know. I thought when I was looking it up that it was, and now I'm all messed up on this. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess this doesn't matter for any of the listeners. I'm just kind Whoops. of like... Yeah. Um, oops. Oh, well, what can you do? Uh, Young Girls of Rockford is... At least that's the title. And it's coming up. If anybody's Arden. curious, no, it is not. It is not Agnes Varda. I don't know why I thought this was. I am not going to be watching The Young Girls of Rockford this week. Uh, so I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to watch an Agnes Varda movie like what you picked. What are you going to? What are you watching this week? Faces, uh, places? faces, places. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's uh, that'll be what I'm going to be watching as well. Um, that's apparently the one, according to the uh, Film Squatting podcast. So. Came out in 2015. So there you go. Um, and I don't know what else I'm going to watch. I do have. Um, once not what it's what is it called big trouble in little china i have that yes. from the library right now so i'm gonna try to watch that 
So, um, among other things. Is there anything else going, coming out in the theaters this weekend? Anything? Uh, just Belfast is the thing that I definitely oh, want to see. Um, I don't know what else might be coming out this weekend. Uh, hmm. I know Tick right. Boom comes out soon. I'm really excited for that. What is it's that? Next week. That's the uh, Jonathan Larson musical biopic. Oh, okay. uh, the creator of Rent. So oh, I'm really nice. excited for that. Um, that's supposed to be really good. Starring Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson. Um, the previews, the previews look really good. I'm excited. Nice. All right. Well, uh, speaking of things looking good, we're going back in time next week, 88 miles an hour. We're going to talk about the classic from 1985, Back to the Future by Robert Zemeckis. See you next week. It's heavy. Marty. Marty. We're going. We don't need roads. Yeah.